G'day, thanks for checking out Year Round Carnival Podcast, where each and every Monday we give you the best racing information we possibly can via Vince Accardi's daily sectionals. We tell you what happened, and sometimes we tell you, hopefully, what will happen. So with a horse like Golden Mile, tell me more about how fast it went on Saturday and where that can lead it in the Caulfield Guinea. Yeah, this, this was this was the surprise for me, Ralphie, about the, the tactical speed that they chose. That's so out of pattern. So I don't understand why there was that strategy. Okay, the horse let, just, let me let me yeah. butt in because <laughs> I'm always paranoid looking at the market. James Cummings has two runners. One, they truckload in secret, and that was its grand final, the Golden Rose. Golden Mile. Very soft in the market after a good performance, and the Caulfield Guineas is its grand final. If I wanted to peak in the Caulfield Guineas, I'd be going fast on Saturday. Yes, well, this is definitely going to get the horse absolutely hard. So you have a look, first up minus 3.7. Yep. Second up minus 3.2. And now we've had a seven and a half lengthy shift range from those two runs. Like, that's how much faster the horse had to go, Ralphie. This is, um, you know, significant, and it will definitely bring the horse right to its top, no doubt about it. It's coming on now down the middle of the track and Bankmore from a long way back. Golden Mile up to Tijuana, then Elliptical. Golden Mile, 100 metres to go from Tijuana, Elliptical late. Golden Mile, Elliptical's driving. Golden Mile, soar out the mile. One to Guinea's beat Elliptical, photo third. Animo to the middle of the course, then Meadow. Saki, Alligator Blood, what a race at the 100. I'm Thunderstruck bearing them down and Animo is starting to come now at the 100. Here comes Animo over the top with I'm Thunderstruck who's lifting Animo. Six group ones, a big one. Beat I'm Thunderstruck. Paul Haley is going for a split between them and he's coming through. Ingratiating late, 100 to go. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And Vince Accardi with some music from James. It had to be James, James McDonald, James Cummings Day at Caulfield, and some fantastic calling from Matt Hill. Is he is he becoming the goat? Who knows? Great days racing at Caulfield, and uh, it unfolded beautifully for us for Golden Mile. Hello, mate. Top of the morning, Ralphie. Very well, nice morning. Well, the top of the morning. How it, it, this two two mornings ago, we're thinking, what type of track are we going to be dealing with at Caulfield? Well, what type of track did we end up dealing with? It was sensational, wasn't it? Wow, you know, you got you, well. This is what happens when you don't get a lot right through the through the periods of months, right? If a bit comes down, it's going to wash away reasonably quickly, which is which is fantastic. Overall, if I look at the profile to the 800 metre mark. There was two races that were outliers, Ralphie. One of them was race five to 2,400 metres, like nine lengths below benchmark. And there was another race, 2,000 metres, which was eight lengths below benchmark. If you move them out the way, you are bang on sitting on a rock-solid G3. That's a, that's phenomenal. 
Yeah, and then <laughs> it dead set hose down here on Friday. Yeah, and then from the six hundred meters though, a little that that what I would have considered a G four because it was point two below, right? So there is a, a variance there in the speed of the track, but it's not like we've gone from a dead set G three to an S six or S seven. There's nothing like that at all, and. For me, the most important part always is I like to line up the, the 800-metre point and I like to line up the last 200-metre points. And there is rock solid 1.17. And therefore, if we look to the 800 and from the 200 to the finish line, there's less than a half-length difference in the track speed, which is fantastic. All right. Well, uh, it, we, we always post fully unedited what our preview podcasts say, but so you can listen to it. If you listen to this, just via the usual platform. If you didn't buy it, we always post it up on the Monday. You can listen to how we approach it. There were three big races. We got two very right. One we didn't get right. Now, I've, I've got a theory, and I'm keen to put it to you, but, of course, the highlight of the day was that enormous win of Animo. Um, let's go through some of the questions. If you if you're a member, I send you an email on a Sunday, and you can become part of the show because you are part of the show. We have no corporate bookmaker support. We're independent, and, uh, and it's just because of our members. You can become a member via my website, racetrackrelfie.com.au. Cam has asked, I might bunch a few of these. Vince, Cam has asked, appreciate all the work you and Vince do. Following Animo's um, narrow win yesterday, what have we learnt going into the Cox Plate? How much improvement does he have left compared to horses like Zaki and Thunder? He seems very short at 220 currently. Uh, Brett's asked, I'm sure you will anyway, deep dive in Animo would be great. When it lost a length or so around the turn, was that because they exploded, didn't have the same turn of foot, also last 50 or so metres? Did it tank out or just run straight? Was Vince happy with his action to the eye? And uh, and also, we'll just finish off with Najee. I'm sure you'll ha- you'll cover it, but I'd like to know about ha- not handling the turn Caulfield. Look like from a data perspective for Animo. Over to you, mate. Yeah, okay. Well, the first thing is the, the sit-up and the speed, eight lengths below benchmark. Yep. So that automatically makes it obviously difficult to come from, well, you'd like to be as close as possible. Two to four lengths is what I like to see. Generally speaking, really don't want to be more than that. So just on that, the only horse that was disadvantaged from that setup was Mr. Brightside. So we're just going to put that out there. Now for Animo and I'm Thunderstruck and Zaki, when we look at those three horses, without question, Zaki had the best possible chance in terms of winning because it was like on that speed and therefore no disadvantage at all only taking the lead a half a length actually has got an edge on animo and i'm thunderstruck of around one and a half lengths then we look at the mid-race move and i thought this was a pretty interesting ralphie from the three runners the squeeze Animo, I'm understruck, virtually identical, 9.8, 9.9, and Zaki, 9. So Again, I'll just butt in quickly because yep. I know we'll have people listening to us for, for the first time or don't follow your work all the way around. A squeeze is the improvement of speed from the 800-metre mark to the 400-metre mark. Correct, and that's the mid-race squeeze, and a critical one too because this is where most horses should or riders should have their runners where possible in that golden position at the 800-metre mark and then – Hopefully, by the time they get to the 400, they've got themselves in the best chance to win if all things are equal. So it becomes a very important part. So if you're overextending, it can have consequences. And if you're actually slowing, it could also have consequences. In this case, we've had a real run-up in speed. And then when we look at the last 400, firstly, Animo versus I'm Thunderstruck and Zaki, those three runners. 
We've got 4.6 lengths above benchmark for Animo, 3.8 for I'm Thunderstruck. So there you go, three quarters of a length stronger over the last 400 metres. And Zaki was 1.9. So what we also got to tie into that is, are we deteriorating or increasing speed? Everybody's increasing their speed. Now, where does the run come to an end? This was really fascinating for me. When I look at the micro splits, and this is just looking at the incremental movement for each 200 metres from the 800 to the finish line. Animo, 0.8 below benchmark, 8 to the 6. 6 to the 4, increasing speed to 0.6 above. And then from the 4 to the 2, 3 lengths above. Last 200, 1.7 above. I'm thunderstruck, 1.1 below benchmark between the 8 and the 6. 6 to the 4, 1.3 above. So in other words, three quarters of a length more acceleration in terms of that particular move. Then we look at the 4 to the 2. It was 2.8 versus 3. And then the critical last 200 metres, Ralphie, Animo conceded almost three quarters of a length. I mean, I'm Thunderstruck conceded almost three quarters of a length to uh, Animo in terms of finishing speed. So overall, without a shadow of doubt, Animo was the superior performance when you're looking at these three horses. So a couple of things here. Around the, uh, at the turn, he, he, he paddles for a few strides and I thought, oh, here we go, the lame. <laughs> you know, and by the look of our messages and probably by half of Australia, everyone's thinking the same thing. What's fascinating, well, many things are fa it's fascinating, but a standout stat to me here is he's actually fastest part of the race between the 400 and 200, so I suggest he's probably at a flat spot for 50 metres, but then huge exertion. Yeah, the other thing is too, the horse pulled a lot more than a couple of other runners. Right. For the majority of the race, by the way. Yep. And that just continually tanks you out. And you lose a little bit more because that just showed obviously how fresh the horse was. Who knows what type of work they'd done. And we're in a slowly run race, like really, well, I'm not saying we've seen slower than this for this type of race, Ralph, your Caulfield. But the reality is you couldn't have done much more. I've, I've got a bit of a theory here. For you. I want to put to you, Vince. So, and of course, if you want Vince's IVR data, you can get, when you get the sizzlers, you get the reports as well. So you can uh, read along with us. So Caulfield, I do know very, very well. Grew up in the area, <laughs> ran my fat guts around here enough times. There's a there's that that rise from the uh, 2000 to the uh, 1200 on uh, when there's significant rain uh, in the winter, it'll drain quicker than the others. But under a circumstance on Friday, it copped it. But then the drainage kicks in about the 600 meter mark. I reckon that back straight was wetter than the rest of the course. High probability that's the case, right? Because the Herbert Power is the only other race where we get to see it, right? Yes, and this is the case there. And alligator blood is a negative on wet ground. Yep. So the run's probably better than what it looks and was always going to be the horse that was going to capitulate the most over the last 200 metres. And then the next inferior horses from the wet track, tracker's point of view was probably going to be Zaki if you're going to compare it against the other two. And it also capitulated, but... Unfortunately, the edge for both those horses—they have golden runs in, you know, in transit all the way through. So, so that type of speed, which is modest, however, whatever the condition of the track was, at, you know, prior to the eight hundred, um, that is almost a mile type speed over two thousand, if that makes sense. And and I would think. 
did we learn much about Iron Thunderstruck when it comes to 2000? Because he, he, he has a phenomenal turn of foot. He's got, he's got an unbelievable mile profile. So his performance of 3.9 overall is sensational. But in a high-pressure Cox Plate, that would be a totally different ratio. Well, this is the question. Will it be high pressure? Yeah, okay. So because, you know, it's, it's going to depend on the, well, how many horses the Mooney Valley Committee will allow, allow in. Yeah, and and we know that you can't have a a runner that's just going to be there for speed, up, can you? Well, <laughs> well, this is in terms of the the modern day thing. They're not going to say we're just going to put a pacemaker in. No, no, as in an illegal pacemaker, sure. Yeah, that's, it's like in athletics. Sometimes they have a pacemaker, right? Yeah, yeah. And they say, right, you're going to create all the speed through the first five thousand meters. Yep. <laughs> They're not going to do that, are they? So even though they've gone slowly, you articulated a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, rather, after Animo's last run, uh, he needs a good run yet still to peak in the Cox Plate. His lead speeds at, at Sydney and his two wins that were fantastic, but they were minus 15 range. So here, minus 10. He's really had that hard run, though. So so are you expecting he's got a PB of uh, a bit over six in the Cox Plate last year? Are you expecting him to run to that? Well, he's he's progressed up to a plus 4.1. Yep. So the, the low's got to be 5.4, and the high is probably most likely 6.2, even though I felt this was a horse this campaign who go beyond that. And maybe there was a few circumstances that's not going to allow that to happen. But the reality is you can be very confident that you're going to need at least a plus 5 or better to be competitive in the Cox Plate. Uh for a bit of fun, and obviously we'll, you do all your work and hopefully we'll do a preview podcast and everything else for the Cox Plate in two weeks, but this far out, would you expect any horse to challenge him in the, from this race, specifically from this race, because it was a bunch finish, would you expect any of these horses to challenge him in the Cox Plate? Well, the runner that I really appreciated in terms of overall performance was probably Mr. Brightside. Okay, because of the huge squeeze. Well, I just thought it was fantastic in terms of, it was as strong as any other runner to the line now, of course. It did get three and a half lengths softer race shape for the horse. In other words, you couldn't have gone any slower, but it was a non-winning position, Ralphie. Yep. And you have to allow something for that. And I generally allow one to two lengths. Yep. So if I allow one, that guarantees him around the plus three range here. And if I allow two, which would be the top end, the horse probably runs second or third and looks very good. All right. Now, Benno's backing up in the Caulfield Cup next week. I'm going to ask you about that in our Group 1 podcast uh, uh, that we send exclusively to our Group 1 members. So I'll get your, your thoughts about his chances going to the Caulfield Cup because he ran well in the blinkers and obviously he's set for next week. So I'll ask you about that in our Group 1 podcast uh, if you want to receive it. Uh, as our members did four weeks ago about a uh, big discussion about Golden Mile being a chance in the Caulfield Guineas, um, well, you uh, you just need to be a member. You don't need to do anything else. You just need to be a Group 1 member, $20 a month and support the fact that we're corporate bookmaker ad free and we support you for supporting us and you get a little 15 minute bonus podcast today apart from benno we're also going to ask about uh about king's gambit in the first race that explosive two-year-old and also what the three-year-olds might be able to do uh giga kick and jack and o now that they are confirmed in the everest uh the speaker gold mile he won the caulfield guineas vince i've been working with you for 10 years on plain data this speaking of the word plain this was the plainest uh finish with uh, performance we've seen to win a caulfield guineas <laughs> I like tell it as it is <laughs> well at the end of the day you're right ralph it's a minus 1.3 Below benchmark, ranking wise, 29th on the day. That's that's reasonable, right? If we compare over 100 horses, I believe ran on the day, so that's that's fair. But yes, bit of a drop off in terms of 
what we've seen in some years. We've seen some sensational performances of, you know, dynamic three-year-olds that produce, you know, plus three to six range. And here we are, minus 1.3. Now, the race shape does play some sort of a role in this, Rolfie. When we look at that early speed, 1.2 lengths below benchmark. If we look at the winner, Golden Mile, 6.8. So you can only run to the race shape. And had the race been two or three lengths faster, which I would have felt would have been more reasonable, they would have ended up maybe with a benchmark plus one range at best. Well, let's let's explain about the Golden Mile. I mean, this was a significant drop-off of early speed uh, due, due to, as you said, race shape and uh, positioning. But uh, what, what, what did you do in the Golden Rose early compared to here? Well, this is exactly what you were saying last week, Ralphie. The horse went 3.6 lengths above, faster than it ever gone in its life, or six lengths faster than the start before. And here, the horse has gone 10 lengths slower. I mean... Now, what's that mean? If you're going 10 lengths so off that sort of race shape, imagine how much energy, curled up energy, you're going to have approaching the 400 metre mark. You're going to want to explode. And technically, it did that because you could see it peak between the four and the 200. It went from minus 1.2 lengths below benchmark to plus one. There was only one, well, there was a couple of horses well down in the finish lines that almost sort of matched that sort of speed or slightly better. But the reality is that was what you get when you can conserve energy. Well, what's it mean for a horse like Ossipenko that showed a bit in the window? We put him in the sizzles a couple of times. He, he's closed well. He's produced a big mid-race squeeze. Has he, has he got some substance and some trend line for Mr. Waller? Oh, there's no doubt. I where are they heading with this horse? Because this this was big. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's his derby horse. Oh, I'm assuming oh, this, by the way. Well, if that's the case, they'd be clapping hands because coming from – no chance of winning, 11.3 lengths below benchmark. The mid-race move was outstanding when you compare it to the first and second horse, 11.2 mid-race move. That's above benchmark compared to 5.4 and 5.4. This is for both the first and second horses. And then just to sort of top it off, you have a look at the overextension. Look at the overextension between the four and the two, Ralphie. There was an overextension of almost four lengths. I mean, that's big. And still managed to break benchmark last 200 metres. All right, so a horse to take seriously going forward. Actually, there's a reason why I'll, I'll leave the Turek just for one race, and that is I'll go back early to, to Paul Ely. Because as punters, Vince, this was an easy caper, wasn't it? You just back James McDonald, just back James Cummings, Paul Ely, then Adamo, then uh, then Gold Mile, and we think we got the sport beat. So, <laughs> so <laughs> firstly, Paul Ely, uh, this was a good performance, wasn't it? Well, it was, Ralphie. Given the circumstances, and again, these runners, well, this this particular group of horses, they never got into any lane, so it was all done on merit of performance. Overall, 2.7 lengths above IVR benchmark, solid for Paul Ailey, and Mind you, not advantaged by the distance. It was just advantaged by the class over the over the field, and that was visible in the race in the end. That was, a, that was actually a really nice lift overall from 0.2 below to plus 2.7. Just sort of goes to show what impact the ground conditions would have had for this horse first up and how far behind it probably was condition-wise. And that 1,000 metres, way, way too short. You know, and now 1,100, still too short. Well, his PB is plus four. Has yep. he got a chance of beating that? Has he got a chance of beating it? Well, he's running to it. Yeah. At this stage, he's running right up to that profile. Could he explode off that run? I reckon he could. 
at his next start. So as we speak, we're recording this early Monday morning, we don't know who the Godolphin Everest runner will be. Uh, so it could be Paul Early, could be ingratiating, so we'll try and work all that out, obviously, this Friday. Now, speaking of which, this Friday, we've got two packages. We're always mindful of not overdoing the cost. So what we're going to do, there's rain on Friday, but that's about it, believe it or not, for Sydney, and it's got such a great depth card. So we are going to do an Everest package on the full day, uh, if you want the just the Friday and the early edition race speed profiles, there's an option, or the full Saturday upgrade. Caulfield Cup will do Caulfield Cup only and early edition race speed profiles only. So uh, as in just that race, it will be the deep dive on the podcast, and then you get the early editions uh, as an option there. So go to the podcast preview section if you want to get that for the Friday, and if you want the Vince's full work uh, via daily sectionals, you can get the final edition race speed profiles for Caulfield, and of course I'll be covering it too on my website there. So ingratiating was good, Vince. There wasn't much in the finish. I can't help thinking ingratiating was probably in the best in the best lanes, and Paul Early were inside the best lanes. Well, yeah, we are clutching at straws. Not going to be much in it between both of them. Yep. Really, the difference was where you're sitting energy wise through that first 300 meters. Ingratiating is going three lengths, three and a half lengths below benchmark, tagging the lead speed five. That's still in the range because that was good speed for a small field, Ralph. They were going yeah. one and a half above, so. Your spots need to be three to six. So you're inside that elastic band. And Paul Laley, you are, you are using three and a half lengths more fuel than the second horse. In the mid-race, that's probably the difference. Paul Laley didn't use much explosion. The mid-race move was only 1.3 compared to 6.C. So he was in traffic and couldn't. Yeah. yeah. And then last 400 metres, uh, surprisingly... Yes, ingratiating did find an extra length and entitled to, by the way, Ralphie. And but the last two hundred meters only point two. Jeez, I'd, I'll be very interested to see if this horse goes to Everest. Wow, hundred to one. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think I think they'll be keeping that for the uh, for the Manicato. Um, uh, cheeky one from Warren. Should the Everest be run at Caulfield? Good one. Uh, so we'll just let that one go. But this, uh, as always, we, we get some really good questions from our, from our members here, Vince. And uh, the the question from Hayden: Can in the boat bounce off his Galachi run, or hasn't he come up? Now, Vince, this is an interesting one. Maybe he's just a real high dry tracker. And on top of that, I will say, uh, I always look at the markets. Betfair Riders kicked in, so he uh, he still had no expectations here. Well, he did come into the campaign behind. Yes. On in terms of performance, not How's much. That late, late blowout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you could see you could see the blowout late. It was a big conditioning run, and really it was. All, it looks like all conditioning because if you look at that first sectional speed comparing the two runs you can see that there is a variable but the one little thing that I want to note is this Rafi the horse has had a cup did have a couple of jump outs right yeah and you would have thought that that would have helped the horse along and the finish wasn't there so maybe like you said could be just all about bone dry tracks yeah, because that um, that Mooney Valley twelve hundred win in in January was phenomenal, and I remember you said it was one of the better raw time performances you've ever seen. So, it was sensational. Yeah, so and that was a boiling hot summer day. Okay, let's get to the Turak. 
because uh, there were, wasn't much clapping hands. Obviously, Tuvalu, you had in your most advantage, and this was a high-pressure race shape, and we got apples to apples to compare it to the Caulfield Guineas. It was run six lengths faster early. Uh, there was a speed set by Gentleman Roy, but um, but really good tactics here because that suited Gentleman Roy, it suited military experts, suited Tuvalu, and I wish I win. Uh, disappointed several, and me included, Vince, and you included, I dare say. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure what happened there. I've no. got a theory, so this okay, is, we never stop learning, so I'm going to put it to you in a sec. So what did you take out of two of Lou's win, firstly? Well, faultless performance. Three and a half lengths above benchmark first section. You're entitled to – well, I'm not saying you're entitled to weaken, but the horse actually held its line really well between the eight and the 400, still travelling 2.7 above, and then – all the conditioning blowout came over the last 200 metres when the horse lost four lengths or three lengths in actual de-acceleration. So this was where the horse had had enough but held on to win. Now, the, the hard part for me is this. When they have these short breaks like 75, 77, then you compare it to, say, like a break like 160 days, sometimes I often ask myself, do they ever really get a break? Has this horse really had a break since the beginning of the year? And was that an end of the run, given that it was only – well, it depends on how you look at it, right? On one angle, you can say second up, right? And you say, yeah. oh, no, plenty of improvement. But on the other angle, it hasn't been a long break. So what's that all mean? Like, So that's the hard part for me. And this is purely when I say this is when I – think through the processes of in the future, they'll be the sort of questions I'll ask myself wherever it starts next. I'm going to ask myself, okay, what was that a taper for conditioning or was that a, a taper like you had enough, right? And that they and they're always they're always concerning and it just means your mindset about how you want to tackle that sort of horse into the future, betting wise, has to have a little bit of caution. I'm not saying you shouldn't back it into the future because the run was faultless. I dare say uh, four fifty into $4 in the uh, Rupert Clark and uh, $9 in $8 Saturday. They, they've had a bet and they, these were, the, were its goals. So uh, yep. they've, they've probably won one of the two grand finals for it. So that that's probably backs up your, your theory that um, short break, but he was he was kept up to the mark. What do we make of laws of indices? Well, I know there's a lot of, you know, like hype on, on the run and the horses got talent, but that was in the lanes. Yes. So you're going to buy something there. And when I say you're going to buy something, what are you going to buy? You might buy a length or two. Not going to buy much more than that, but at least a length. Now, in terms of where it was, this is probably the big thing for me. I'd say borderline non-winning position, 3.4 lengths below, tagging the lead speed just over around eight and a half lengths. Ideally, it should have been a length closer. And so you can imagine a length closer maybe wins, right? Yep. And then the close, like that massive move between the eight and the 400 metres, it's going to weaken any horse, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it did for this horse right at the end. Still finished better than anybody else because of the lanes. And this is the appreciation this horse gets when you get on dry ground. Loves it. So you'd think the logical move is dry, dry track, well, which we don't know, but obviously it can. It's it's a it's an, a usual case. Derby Day, Flemington, big track. It's it's it is going to help him run to his best. Yeah, is, is that where they're going next with it? I would so, assume so. Okay, well, I don't believe we've we've ever seen the best of this horse in this country. So the yeah. two point eight, and now we've gone to a two point seven, virtually identical to that Rose Hill run back in October twenty one. 
I can't help but feel, Ralph, this horse has got more, regardless of the lanes or not. Righto. I wish I win. Now, there's two ways that we do things on a Monday. <laughs> Just like the old saying, that there's, there's only two positions in a market, too much or not enough. On a Monday, you either, you either learn through happiness or you learn through, uh, through your mistakes. I wish I win. Vince, what was his change of speed, Caulfield to Sandown? I know he ran his last... Uh, 1,200, yes, and he was moving. It wasn't a standing start, but 17.3 was the raw time. Uh, he was a phenomenal performance, and then 13 days back up. Was there a chance this horse turned up flat? Well, you took the words right out of my, my mouth, and that's exactly, unfortunately, what's happened. That first up run to the second up run, just to highlight it again, Ralphie, Caulfield first up in August was eight lengths below benchmark first section. Yep. In the mid-race was 0.2 above, and the last 400 was 1.7 above. But the horse did lose ground over the last 200 metres that day of around 1.8. So it was just a benchmark last 200. Then, like you said, went to Sandown, increased its race pace by 9.4 lengths in the first section, and then 4.1 between the 8 and the 400, and then a further two lengths over the last 400. So sadly, that... Um, does ring that in a very, very serious way. And then you've had to run. Like, there was nowhere really to hide here because Gentleman Roy just put speed on straight away and said, right, we're going to run. And the, and they did, you know, plus five. And then even the horses around it, they're travelling four, four and a half lengths above benchmark. So this is game on and everyone gets dragged. So you can't sit out the back and say, oh, I can run three, four, five lengths below benchmark and give my ch myself a chance to build. It's not going to happen because if you do that, not only are you going to finish poorly, but there'll be a lot of questions asked why we're that far back. So in, in the case of uh, I Wish I Win, let's just look at his last 200 at Sandown. Plus 2.3. That was his fastest part, and people watching the replay will remember it. He got it had to get out of a pocket. So he savaged the line here. He's lost four lengths over the last 200 metres. That's flat. Yes, that's, that is flat. I guess the hard part is this now. I, I was, Of course, I was anticipating a different performance. I thought this may have been a horse that's still building in a different direction, and maybe we could see some big explosion at a mile, and who knows, venture out to something even more dynamic like 2,000 metres, but... That evidence wasn't there no matter what off this run. Yep. All right, let's see, see what happens going forward for that horse. We know he's a talent, but will he show his talent next start or maybe even a break for the uh, for next prep? It's been his first prep with uh, with Peter Moody. Well, I want to finish with this one, Vince. It's it's not a happy story, but, but it, it just shows you one of the great sayings. Remember Dominic Byrne saying on RSN years ago, you, you're going to go broke very quickly if you ignore the greater uh, intelligence of the entire market. And in this respect, literary magnate, $26 into $15. Its barrier trial was nothing. It's jump out deliberately, clearly. The boys have had a bet. How could you back that with that profile to beat Zapateo as a starting point? But they wanted to back it. They wanted to keep back it. What did she do? Oh, I would have been. I would have liked to have done the same thing. But I, <laughs> look, I didn't venture out on that horse, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. But, what was there in the numbers? Or maybe this is the answer, Ralphie. Maybe this is the reason. Could it be? the drying of the ground, realistically. Yeah. This horse only had one run on a dry, dry ground. That was the second run in its life. Could that be the reason that we've seen this horse just launch upwards and it moves away from being a fluke run to being a run with a level of capability? 0.8 above, that's 
far superior than any other run that it's ever produced, which is a, a big plus. And then when I look at the, sort of the breakdown of the first four or five runners, there's plenty of profiling there to indicate that there were several runners that finished in the top five that were a bunch above benchmark profiling in terms of performances. And I'm just coming back down to saying this dry track seen a reversal and I'm hence, you know, su- suggesting that the players that were, you know, punting this horse up, they had an inkling that this horse is going to be far better on dry ground and, and they've been rewarded, you know, with fantastic price. It was funny, something on Twitter I got on uh, Sunday after the race that uh, so a, a warnable local said to me it was it was the uh, the town tip. So, so there you go. They obviously wherever it uh, wherever it busted the clock, it was obviously in private. <laughs> so, yeah. So yep. it's delivered the best last 600, 400, and two hundred the day. So you, you can't fluke doing that. All no. of Vince Cardi's work via Daily Sexuals, mine via racetrackralphie.com.au. Just re- reminding you this Friday, if you want a preview podcast, Caulfield Cup only that race only with the early edition. Race speed profiles or the full Everest meeting is available under the podcast previews and if you want to get uh, the little bonus podcast you just need to become a group one member thanks so much for checking out year round carnival